Do you ever want to hear how the famous found fame? How the poor man became a millionaire? How risking comfort gave someone more freedom? Honestly, some days, do you ever just need someone to tell you that everything is going to turn out okay? You're listening to the Y'all Podcast, where everyone has a seat at the table. I'm your host, Laura Jean Bell. I'm on a mission to restore hope to your future. Join me as I share stories about life and faith with a little Southern twang. I will share stories of the past and the ones that are still being written to help you laugh at the days to come. Meet with me around the table, telling tales about the lives of others, of business, risk, heartache, joy, failure, and success. Let go of the fear that hopelessness is your destiny and fill up on the encouragement that mercies are new each day. Because the best thing about a story is that there is a beginning and an end. On today's episode of the All Podcast, I'm interviewing Rebecca George. Rebecca is the founder of Radical Radiance, a podcast community where listeners are equipped to blend what they love with the Jesus who makes them shine. She is a podcaster, speaker, and author whose greatest joy in life is discipling others to pursue their passions in a way that builds the kingdom. In her free time, you can find her running outside, writing, or trying a new recipe with Garth Brooks playing in the background. You can connect with her on Instagram at, at Rebecca George Author or RadicalRadiance.live. Join us today as Rebecca encourages us on every aspect of life and the kingdom of heaven. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Y'all Podcast. I am so excited to introduce y'all to my guest today. Today, we have Rebecca George. She is here to tell us all about her story, her life, and the things that she's offering to the world right now. And y'all, I am ecstatic for you to hear her message because it is so good. I started following her a while back on Instagram and just her reels alone have challenged me and my heart and have encouraged Mm. me on so many levels. And so I'm excited for y'all to get to hear from her today. So... Rebecca George, welcome to the Y'all Podcast. And please, if you would, just for anyone who may not be familiar with you or your message, tell us a little bit about who you are, Mm -hmm. where you're from, what you do, and then we'll move into a little bit more of your story of how you kind of got started doing what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. So take it away. Awesome. Laura, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and get to share with your audience today. This is going to be so fun. And who am I and what do I do? So I am first a wife. I'm a pastor's wife. My husband pastors a church here in East Tennessee where we live. We have been married about three and a half years, which feels crazy. We got married right before the pandemic, which wow, who, who knew? Yeah. May 2019, we had about, I don't know, eight to 10 months before the craziness started. And so we're just walking out of the other side of that and leading a church through that. And um, so I'm wife first. I'm a dog mom. I love my my sweet boy. He We do not have children yet, but we do love, love, love our dog. And vocationally, do what? 
dog is it? <laughs> he he's a mixed breed. I say that in air quotes because he is the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. I'm a little biased, but if you want to see plenty of pictures of him, check out my Instagram at Rebecca George Author. There's plenty of Jasper George content over there, which is so fun. Okay. Sorry. And so no, 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 it's all good. And then career wise, That's such a hard, weird question to answer, right? You may feel the same way. You are a photographer. You have this podcast thing. You've got a presence online, right? So I think we share a little bit of that commonality of being a little bit multi-passionate, which I know we're going to talk about in this episode, which is a fun conversation. But I am a speaker. I am a soon-to-be author. I'm releasing my first book in April, which I am so excited about. It's been such a long time coming. And Um, just such a fun process. And I'm so thankful for what God has done there. And I'm a podcaster myself. I have a show called Radical Radiance that really has a heart to point us back to scripture and to conversations that will center us on what does it look like to radiate the heart of Christ in, in everything that we do. There's a passage in Psalm 35, it's verse four, and it says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. And so I love having conversations that point us back to what does it like, what does it look like to look to him and as a byproduct of that, right? Like what happens in us when we abide in him is radiance. And um, yeah, we have conversations about that over on Radical Radiance, which is so fun. And yeah, those are a few of the things I'm up to right now. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I probably didn't cover it all, but that's, that's the... <laughs> the, the bird's eye view. I'll say it that way. No, I think that that's awesome. And it's exactly what I wanted to hear in leading up to what got you to this point. I think the, the biggest message that I've wanted to send to anyone who chooses to listen to my podcast is the stories that where we get to hear the meat, we get to Mm -hmm. hear the beginning the hard part, the middle, the the quote unquote end, right? Where you get to see, okay, you're releasing this book in April. How awesome is that? But what, what spurred that on? What brought you to a point where you were like, I have to get this message out. Were you in a low place? Were you in a high place? Were you um, single? Were you married? Like, what did it look like Mm. um, in this whole process of really kind of starting your podcast and getting your message out there and then developing a book and getting that in front of the masses? I mean, that alone is a big project. And I know personally, you talk about being multi-passionate. It is, it is a very weird place to be, but when people ask you, I'm like, uh, how long do you have? I, don't know. <laughs> I have 700 streams of income and they're coming in all these different directions. I'm a real estate investor. I've got photography. I've got this, like, and it can be like almost, I had a moment like just last night, someone in my church was like, you have an English lit degree, get your teaching certificate, come teach at the school, come do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, should I, should I, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that weird, like, do I, do I do enough? Do I do too much? Where is the balance? All am I? T- am I too much? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Like that. That was my message I've had to battle my whole life. And so, yeah. tell us your story. Like, what got you? What got you started in this multi passionate mm-hmm. world? And mm-hmm. what has that journey kind of looked like for you? And how could you encourage someone in it? 
Yeah, man, my brain is spinning because I'm like, okay, wow, where do I start and how much time do we have? Um, I'll start at the beginning, though. Like you said, I was raised in the church, which I'm so thankful for. I came to Christ at a very young age. I was about 10 years old and was raised in a Christian home, was raised in just a really nurturing, creative space. My mom is one of the most crafty people that I know, and so we spent a lot of time creating, if you will, in my childhood. I was an only child. So a lot of our time together would be spent doing crafts or I learned how to knit and crochet and just, I've always been a creative Yes, again with the air quotes, if you will. And while I did come to Christ at a young age, it was in my college years that, and I think this is the case for anybody who grew up in the church and, and sticks around. Right. Um, my faith became my own, you know, choosing and finding a church home and family and community and investing in discipleship and that being a choice I was making that those all became decisions of of my own in those years. And God really worked in my life in a, in a powerful way. And, you know, my relationship with the Lord went from a list of, you know, yes and no checkbox things that I do to an a real relationship with Jesus. And so those years of my life were really powerful. It was the first time I ever led any type of small group and things like that. I think in those years, God really revealed to me my heart for discipling women, walking alongside women and the challenges of life and, and meeting them with scripture and and truth in the midst of that. And I walked out of my college experience into my first big girl job. And while for most people, that's a you know, mountaintop season, my mom was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer in those in that year that followed me graduating college. And praise God, she is about nine years on the other side of that now. And I'm so thankful for that. But she went through about a year and a half of surgery and chemotherapy and radiation and all of those things. And um, man, God molds and fashions us so much in seasons of hardship. And, you know, we're really met with um, kind of that test of, do I believe what I say I believe? And do I believe... God is still good and faithful in the midst of life circumstances that aren't. And, you know, I kind of had to wrestle with that for the first time in my life. And, um, you know, meanwhile, I was still very involved in in my local church in those, in that time, in that season. And I'm so thankful for that. And kind of on the other side of my mom's journey, for about five years, God led me to start a nonprofit, and I'm no longer doing this this work, which I know we're going to talk about quitting a little bit later in the conversation. And that's I'll bring in a little bit more of this story. Okay, but um, I led a, a small nonprofit where we took hand knitted and crocheted hats and letters of encouragement into cancer treatment centers and hospitals all across the country. We did work with St. Jude and MD Anderson and all kinds of awesome organizations. And as I did that work, which God, you know, really put on my heart because of my mom's story, I had the chance to speak about it and, and share about what God was doing and hopefully to, you know, gain more volunteers and things like that. And so I would speak to women's groups and churches and things like that. And um, I started seeing this common thread as I would share. I would have women come up to me afterwards and say, 
I love, you know, what God's done through your mom's story and how he inspired this ministry that you're now doing. And, you know, as I was hearing you talk, I just am thinking I've got my own version of that. Like there's something I feel God is calling me to or stirring my heart for. And then there would be this hesitation and it would be for about one of four to five different reasons. They were either scared out of their mind. Mm -hmm. They were insecure and they didn't feel like they had what it took or they felt like they were too much or they didn't feel they had the time or they felt like somebody was already doing it maybe better than they could, right? All of these things that we tend to get trapped in as, as women and and as people, (laughs) imperfect people. And I had almost these like mini coaching sessions after I would speak with people over and over and over again. And I had enough of them that I just sensed that that was a theme that God wanted me to speak into. And so I had always dreamed of writing. I have loved reading my whole life. I've loved journaling most of my life. And so as I was still kind of in those last couple of years leading that nonprofit, I went to my first writing conference actually in 2015. I went to Proverbs 31's She Speaks conference, which you've probably heard of. And um, it was at that event that I met with a literary agent for the first time and a couple of publishers and everyone turned down my idea. (laughs) And I... But I thought I was ready to write a book at, you know, 24 years old and thought I'd written the best book proposal the world had ever seen. And (laughs) I, in fact, had not. And so I came home and um, just really invested in figuring out what is that that core message that I feel like women need and um, are coming to me for. And so I spent some years working and honing in on that. And then like I I started with, I married my husband in 2019 and um, I moved from Tennessee to South Mississippi where he was pastoring a church at the time. Quick question. I'm going to interrupt you. Interrupt me. How did you meet your husband if you were Uh, living in the same place? (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun question. So he was on staff at the church that I attended in that whole span of about a decade. He was the the last position he had there was children's pastor. Okay. And I taught a children's class in our children's ministry. And so we crossed paths a lot in that season when he did live in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We was never it dated. A large church. It was a very large church. Okay. Yes. I'm like, I feel like I talked to my children's pastor a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a bigger church. This is yes. not like you've got, you know, 300 members and everybody knows. No, no, okay. no, no, no. And so he actually moved to South Mississippi and, um, it, again, we didn't date in that season. We reconnected afterwards a few years later and had always kind of kept in touch. And um, we dated totally long distance. Of course, we had known each other for like five to six years at that point by the time we we actually dated. But um, yeah. And so when we married to the whole point of starting the podcast and really God beginning to open doors for this, when I married him, I moved from Knoxville, so big SEC college town in the foothills of the Smokies, gorgeous area, so much to do, and you're blowing and going all the time to a little town in South Mississippi with 12,000 people. Yeah. So everything that your brain just did in like the culture shock that 
you're imagining was my reality. Yeah. And I just did this. I just, okay. So like I moved okay. to Montgomery, which is like about 400,000 people, yep. capital city of Alabama to New Harmony, Alabama. So I live in a farm community of about uh-huh. 250 people and the big city has about a population of 8,000. So okay, it's like yep. if Mayberry and Stars Hollow had a baby, that's where I live. Yeah. Okay. That's how I felt. Actually, the first time when me and my husband were dating, the first time I went to South Mississippi to like see the church and see where he lived and all those things. And we drove through downtown. I, <laughs> I just had this like twinkle in my eye and I was like, oh, this looks like, this reminds me so much of Stars Hollow. And he thought it was hilarious. He was like, wait till you live here a couple of months and then you'll never call it Stars, Stars Hollow again. Anyway, it's a delightful little town and I don't mean that against anyone who lives there. No, I, there I, are many incredible people that we love, love, love there. But it was a very hard season. Yes. And I say all of that because... And I don't know if you sense any of this in you as you've made a similar transition. God stripped me away of absolutely everything that was comfortable, enjoyable, people I held dear, my family, my friends. All of that was gone. Basically, all I had was my husband and the Lord. <laughs> and and it was the beginning of our marriage. And I had had these dreams of writing and speaking and and I thought that podcasting might be a piece of that, but I didn't have the time mm. before that season. And in the place of all the things I missed from Tennessee, God gave me this capacity to really hone in on the message of the book that I've, I'm about to launch and gave me direction for the podcast and all of those things because I had no other distraction. And so it was actually that first year of our marriage that I got really serious about my book proposal. I launched my podcast at the beginning of 2020. And um, of course, that's, you know, been a a long journey in the last couple of years, which we can get into if you want. But but that's sort of the journey that the Lord and I have been on in the last several years as as far as how he got me to the point where we're talking about the book I'm launching. So. Exactly. Exactly. And I think I I relate to that so much. Um, We moved from my hometown. Yeah. Technically my dad's hometown. This is where my dad is from. And so everything was just like uprooted. I mean, I feel like everybody has their 2020 story, you know, sure. my my life was like flipped upside down in 2020. I remember everybody's was right. Exactly. I said it at a Bible study in this new town. And it was like, not the right time for this old lady to say this to me. <laughs> but I was so low emotionally, yeah. so raw. And I said like 2020 just kind of flipped our lives upside down. And the girl was like, well, get in line, honey. <laughs> I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. I was like, you don't understand, you know, like yeah. so hard and it's so different and I'm so lonely. And like, mm. All of these emotions. You know, I recently heard, no, I just recently heard somebody use a term that I really just appreciated. And they said, we've gotten so good at playing hardship Olympics. Oh, right. Like your 2020 wasn't nearly as hard as my 2020 or whatever. And it's just, we've endured so much that I think it feels so tender right now. And it's very easy to fall into that, that trap of like, 
of just hearing somebody really being in a raw, low place and feeling the need to like pop back with, oh, but it wasn't as hard as what I went through. So anyway, I, that term has challenged me in the last few weeks. Absolutely. And like the one-upping, like I just, yeah, you know, oh, like you had it that, well, let me one-up you. Let me let you know, like, instead of being like, actually, you know what? I understand. And I hurt for you. And I'm sorry. Like, you know, like your hardship and actually like meeting someone in theirs. And I think that that has been, um, such a a hard thing for a lot of people, but more Mm -hmm. importantly, like everyone I think has had so much time where they just kind of haven't felt heard. Yeah. Or like even understood because it was such a radical like attack on our ability to just live normal. And our mm-hmm. brain literally had to rewire yeah. and new things and and find new places to live and like whatever. You know, some people mm-hmm. I know people who like were like 2020 was the best thing that ever happened to me. I like sold everything I owned and traveled mm-hmm. the country and you know, whatever. And then some people, they were like, it ruined my entire life. Like, yeah. you know, like there's, <laughs> there's nothing. And so the end, well, the fall of 2020, we moved from my hometown, everything I knew. I went to mm. college there, like literally everything to this small town. And the, you know, the state had not shifted, you know, eventually yeah. it's becoming state by state on like how you handle things, you know churches were still closed. Like I was uprooted from living in the middle of a city and five minutes from target to living with a driveway. That's half a mile long sitting on 1200 acres by myself with a 18 month old. And it was like, all of a sudden that's when, when you said that about like, it was just me and my husband, like I'm just here. Like it had to be this like whole new transformation for you. And I love how you took like the reins on that, even though it was really hard, you took the reins and you're like, okay, I'm going to get serious about my podcast. I'm going to get serious about my book proposal and like all of that. So I'm curious as we yeah. kind of move along in conversation, um, what did that look like as far as your nonprofit? Yeah. And like, okay, you were in Tennessee, you've yep. moved down to Mississippi and you've decided to kind of give it your all here. When did you set free this nonprofit and like, what did that process look like? Yeah. So when I lived in Knoxville, obviously, like I said, I, it was, you know, 10 minutes from the university of Tennessee's campus. And I had so many volunteers for the nonprofit that were students and could travel easily and would go with me to hospital visits and things like that. I just was nestled in like the perfect community to do what God led me to do. And when I moved, I tried for several months to, you know, sort of establish the same thing in the little town you know, where we were with some local colleges and things like that. I actually did a couple of hospital visits in the first six months or so that we were there. And it was like, nothing came together. Like I, I just, it was like, I, I felt like I was spinning my wheels. And so for a while I just spun my wheels and I remember coming to see my, my mom and dad, I was visiting them and, um, and this is where I think the the quitting conversation comes in. I was sitting on my parents' recliner and my mom and I were in a conversation and and there was just this lull in conversation. And I remember 
it was like the Holy Spirit prompted me, like, your mom wants to talk about the ministry. Like, she's going to bring it up. It was almost like the Lord prepared my heart for it. And yeah. my mom, almost, I mean, within like a few minutes, she said, so have you thought about what that looks like now that you're, now that you've moved and everything's flipped upside down? And do you think you're still going to continue doing, doing the ministry? And of course I just like all the blood drained from my face. I bursted into tears because it was just like the question that I needed to be asked, but no one had asked me. Yeah. And, and even, even the question that you wanted to be asked, like, did you need it or did you? I needed it. I needed someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I needed to talk through it with somebody. And I remember saying, mom, like, I think, I think this assignment is done. Yeah. And that makes me really sad, but I know and I can see God working in different ways in my life now. And, but I almost felt guilty, right? And I think we do so many times when God moves us from assignment to assignment, we assume that just because it's a good thing that we partner with God on and that he calls us to, that we're going to do it forever. Yeah. And most times that's not true. Yeah. And, so I remember her looking at me and saying, Rebecca, you don't need permission, but if what you're asking is for somebody to validate, like, yes, you have been faithful and I cheer you on and what God is calling you to, like, yeah. please let me be that. Let, and let me say, like, I want you to hear me say you were faithful to every step that God led you to take in that ministry. He worked mightily in and through you in these years. But I also agree with you that he's doing a new thing and you need to be faithful in that. And faithfulness in that means quitting this, yeah. right? And being a faithful wife and pursuing writing and speaking and in the ways that he's he's gifted you in this season. And so I think sometimes we're waiting on permission. And sometimes all it takes is a is a conversation with someone that we really love to sort of bring and tease that out of like, man, why am I really struggling letting this go? And and sometimes it's it's guilt because it's something we love and that honors God. And just because it honors God doesn't mean that it's something that we're called to do forever, right? And so there's some of those things that we kind of have to make peace with as God calls us in and out of things. And, and that's what he did in me in that season. And he really used my mom as sort of a conduit to, to help me get over that hump, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think I did a, a little thing. This keeps kind of popping up as I'm listening to you. I did a, a little speech at my alma mater mm. and they asked me to come back and, and talk about the, the theme for the year or for that. They do these, um, faith forums where they like bring in alum Mm. And they have you talk about kind of like your life post college or they bring mm. in like different speakers or whatever. And this particular year they were bringing in the alum and um, the English department, um, humanities department called me and they were like, our theme for the year is many hats, like M-A-N-Y, many hats. And like, we want you to come and speak about all the hats that you wear and all of the things that you do, because it's so evident, like we see your social media that mm -hmm. you've got your real estate and you've do, you do photography. You also have network marketing. You've done all of these different things, like come tell your story. 
And I remember like feeling almost like I had failed. Um, Ooh, yeah. Like, oh, you have seen me do a thousand things because I haven't ever really found my thing. Mm. And like, this is really gut wrenching for me. Um, but sure, I'll come talk. Um, so yeah. I, I went because I knew that number one, the Lord has gifted me in speaking, and that's not something to be embarrassed of. No. It's something to be ashamed of. It's not something that means that you're walking around hunting attention anywhere that it can come to you. But I also, when I went, I just felt the Lord say, Your purpose is always the same. Your purpose is mm. to share the gospel and love people like Jesus for the entirety mm. of your life, but your assignment will be different everywhere you go. Yeah. And like, I, like I, it was the weirdest thing, but I thought every single one of those places that I've been, every hat that I've worn actually has been an assignment. And yeah. And the thing that I would argue, and, and I talk about this in the book is every season we go to go through and the assignments God calls us to, I believe are preparing us for what's next, right? Like my first big girl job was I worked in the human resources department at this pet product company in my local town here in, here in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the parent company for pet safe, invisible fence brand, et cetera. Okay. And I just had a moment where I saw this come to fruition when I was working for them often they would pull me into these video shoots for different products and things like that. So I had to learn teleprompt at a really young age. And I say that because last week we shot video curriculum for the book Mm -hmm. and I have not done teleprompt since I worked for that company. But so many of my friends who have recently also shot video for their books releasing this next year, we've talked a lot about like, man, it, if you've never done teleprompt, it's really hard. It's hard to get the pacing and yeah. feel like you're really pouring your personality into it because you're reading words off a screen. And, yeah. and I just remember thinking like, praise God, I had that job that really at the time I felt like was a waste of my talent, right? Like I felt like I could be doing so much more for God's kingdom and I felt stuck in corporate America and I didn't feel like corporate America was for me, but I also didn't feel like I wanted to be a women's ministry director at a church. Like how do I feel this call to ministry? And also I'm, I'm a go-getter type person. I don't know. I just was trying to make sense of it at such a young age. And then I was standing there on set for my video curriculum and I thought, man, that job God is using that. God used that to develop something in me that was going to be needed in ministry a decade later, right? right? And so it's just not lost on me that God, you know, he may have you in a season right now, somebody listening that may feel so mundane and and insignificant, but I just know that he's developing things in us that we're going to need for his glory later on, you know? Oh, absolutely. There are so many jobs. Like for instance, I worked at a photography studio and I was the mm. like studio manager. They taught me photography skills. I ended up doing photography work, but my job at that studio was predominantly like administrative work. And I, when I say that, like I royally suck at administrative <laughs> work, I'm like not cut out for it. My brain, I live in a state of anxiety that like, there's no, like I'm always on fight or flight. And the entirety of my twenties, like at least the first like five to seven years out of college, I was doing admin work. 
it was mm. awful. <laughs> and yeah. every time I was like going to the next thing, like thinking, oh, I want to do this new thing. And it would be like admin. And, but every single one of those jobs taught me a different skill within being an admin person. And mm. so now I live in a totally different city and I'm able to do photography work because of that. I know how to work all the systems and how to do payments and send people emails and mark calendars, like all of these different things that I learned yeah. doing that. And it's serving That's my so family. Good. Um, so that is like, I mean, nothing in the kingdom is wasted. Not, yes. a moment, not a moment, but it's so good to hear, to hear you kind of pinpoint how much you hated that job and like how much, well, maybe you didn't hate the job, but like it yeah. was serving you in that season in a way that you thought you needed to be served. Yeah. I remember talking to my boss at that, at that job and, and we're still great friends. And I remember telling her, like, I just, I feel led. I, w- I want to write. I want to speak and I want to lead. I don't mm-hmm. know what that looks like. I just don't feel like it's here. Yeah. Right? And that's a scary conversation to have with your boss of like, man, this isn't my dream job. I know God's called me to this work for today, yeah. but I feel this longing, right? And I think just because we feel a longing for God to use us in a certain way doesn't mean that we're behind in where we are now. Yeah. I think sometimes, especially as women, whether it's the desire for marriage or the desire for children or the desire to grow in a career, all of those are God-given desires and longings many times. But um, that doesn't mean that I don't know. I just don't want us to miss what God is doing in and through and around us because we're so laser focused on, you know, what we're, what we've got our eyes on. Yeah. Um, Because God's developing things in us that, that we're going to need. Yeah. And that's huge. And I think oftentimes too, social media has played such a role in Mm -hmm. the speed part of my life where I'm like, so-and-so has gotten this far. So-and-so is doing this, or, you know, this one person makes one reel and they go viral and their whole life changes. Right. And someone else who it didn't look like that, but they've, they've obtained this success and you don't see all the in-betweens. And I think oftentimes it's like, but they're still where I should be. And they started earlier than I did. And so because Mm. they started earlier, they have more opportunity and all of those things. And I think that that can be such, like that has been such a hindrance for me to where yeah. I'm like, I'm behind. It can be crippling. Yeah. I missed my point. Yeah. I missed my mark. Uh, you know, mm. I should have started this when I was 18 and in college. Well, when I was 18 in college, I didn't have vision for this. No. And some of this stuff didn't even exist. And yeah. So- I say all the time, like I would shudder at the thought of the book that I would have written when I thought I was ready to write my first book. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like, I was not ready. God had not developed in me what needed to be there. And I don't know if my character would have would have been able to bear it. I don't know that spiritually I was in a mature enough place to be able to, um, I don't know, write from from a a wise, you know, biblical perspective. And and I've not arrived, but <laughs> I'm still learning every day. But I'm just thankful that um that God made me wait because he developed things in me and I learned more of him that I needed before I took that step. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of go into this like kind of multi-passionate 
conversation. I'm like, I feel like I'm such a multi-passionate person. (laughs) Like I have so many things that I love. And like, I, I mean, my, I remember my uncle looking at me and he's like, you can literally sell cat food to like (laughs) an elephant. Like it literally, like, it doesn't matter. Like if Laura Mm -hmm. loves, she is just like all in. And that's kind of how I've always been. Um, but what does it look like to live comfortably in that? And what message Mm -hmm. there in being a multi-passionate like person in the creative world. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, like I know that you can, if, at least for me, the creative side of me is like, I'm so creative and I love this and I love this and I love this and I love this. And do I have to talk about all of it? Do I need to do mm. all of it? Or like, what's that one thing? So I don't know, what message would you send to the person, number one, who is multi-passionate? Mm-hmm. And then number two, maybe like what encouragement would you give them in like kind of their journey in that? Yeah, I think we're in an interesting time in our world for a lot of reasons, but one of which is like when I was growing up, you know, our parents got a nine to five job in in a sort of a corporate environment. They stay. I mean, my dad and praise God, he has he has had a leadership role within this organization. He's worked there for like, I want to say. I want to say like 25 years. I think he's coming up on like his 25th year and like such faithfulness to, to his role and to his people. And, and, and that is awesome. And to be celebrated and that's incredible. I think sometimes we're apologetic though, if maybe that's not our path or that's not our story. And I am exactly the same as you, Laura. I feel multi-passionate. There's several things that I feel called to do. Um, in addition to writing and speaking, I love making clay jewelry. And so I have an Etsy shop. That's a, another separate stream of income that, you know, and so as you were describing that for yourself earlier and in, in sort of a similar way. And, you know, I, I do think there are moments where it can get a little confusing and Sometimes we can get burnt out if we have our hands in so many different buckets that we're not, we can't be faithful in all the things, right? And so there are those moments of discernment where, okay, maybe I need to pull back. And, um, you know, I, I sense that God would have me to really focus in on this one or a couple of different areas. And And I've had those moments in my life, giving up the ministry was one of them. But in general, I think we have to stop believing that there's something wrong with us, that God's wired us in such a way that we're passionate about multiple things. That's a gift to the kingdom of God. And so if you are a mama who, you know, it has a network marketing business and you're discipling a group of women on Tuesday mornings in your home and you enjoy doing this certain sort of craft and you a couple times a year you do uh, some sort of mercantile market that you love doing and I don't know you also teach your kids gymnastics class like to the glory of God right right has put you in those situations so that you can glorify God in, in that sphere of influence I don't know gymnastics I will not be coaching your kids gymnastics class. That is an opportunity for you to share the gospel and to be a light in your child's life, in their friends' lives. And so that's one example of a life circumstance, but enter 
you know, X, Y, Z, enter your own. And God has given you that influence and those different spheres of influence so that you can share the gospel. There's an A.W.B. Tozer quote that I love so much. And he says, the purpose of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. And sometimes I think about that in every different area where, you know, I might feel multi-passionate. I have an opportunity to worship God and enjoy him forever through sharing the gospel and, um, and letting that be the main driving force of what I'm doing. And so it may be one thing and God may have you in corporate America in a traditional nine to five job and don't apologize for that. If that's where he's called you, but be faithful and share the gospel and, and be faithful where he's planted your feet. If you feel like you have your time and attention in four or five different areas to the glory of God, be faithful, share the gospel in those places where God's called you. I think the message is the same. It's just, I think we've, again, we've got to stop comparing ourselves to one another of feeling guilty if you don't feel multi-passionate, right? Because that can be kind of like the shiny, cute thing to be these days. But also if you are multi-passionate, don't apologize for that either. Just be faithful where God's planted you. Yeah. And I think that that is a really like overwhelming thing. Like I said, I literally was at church last night and like they were like, you should be a teacher. And I think like, oh yeah, I mean, I could. Mm-hmm. I could totally go get my degree or get my um, certificate and go teach English literature or, you know, 10th grade English class. I could totally do that. That's what I originally went to school to do. I just mm-hmm. never went to a master's because I realized it's, I don't want to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, so it's like a weird, um, it's a weird place because oftentimes you can get in conversations with people who are like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get what you do. And then you can start to feel kind of insecure about what you mm-hmm. do and thinking, well, maybe I don't do enough or maybe what I do is weird or maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Um, and I think too, that comes into that, like that comparison game, like you yeah. said, it is such a mind trap. Yeah, um, I'd love to kind of hear your thought on how comparison kind of kills our progress and yeah. messes, messes with us a little bit. Yeah. I have one more thought on what you, and you've hinted at it a couple of times, but there's this idea that I think we, we need to get over as women. I don't see men struggling as much with this. So I have a theory. <laughs> I think we, we, I think we as women really struggle with this sort of notion of, I call it the cute little side hobby, right? You start this thing, you start a network marketing business, you start a podcast, you decide to self-publish a book, and it's almost this false sense of humility that we don't want to make too much of the assignment God's given us or whatever. And so we just act like it's just this like cute little side hobby thing that we do. And we treat it like that. Yeah. And that's the problem. Because if it's something God's called you to do and you are faithfully walking in that and you are passionate about it, most of the time, the thing that we're calling a cute little side hobby is the thing that we are most passionate about in our lives. But we treat it like this little cute little thing that we do on the side because we think other people might think it's weird if we make too much of it or we we want to seem humble and things like that. But we end up treating it um, almost like something we're ashamed of rather than something that God has planted in our lives to use for his glory. And so 
that's something I'd like for us as women to do a little bit better job <laughs> a job with, myself included. I mean, I can remember walking away from some conversations early on when I started my podcast. My husband was so sweet and would, if we'd be in a group of people, I'd introduce myself and he'd be like, well, what she's not telling you is she has this podcast and she's working on a book. And, and we would leave the conversation and I would say like, I don't know why I'm so embarrassed to talk yes. about what I'm doing. Why am I embarrassed? Yeah. And it was this whole thing that we had several conversations about and, and it boiled down to like, I'm making light of what God has called me to do and I have to stop. And so anyway, I recognize it in me. I can hear it in your voice as you're talking about the different many things God has called you to. And I think there are people listening who would say the exact same thing. So we've got to get over that To to the point of comparison. And you mentioned this, and we've talked about it a little bit throughout the conversation. Social media is the worst for yeah. for this conversation. You know, all we do is stare at other people's highlight reels of their lives all day long. Yeah. And I think for me and you, particularly, just because it's our our life situation, I can you know we can talk freely and easily about about this. It's easy to walk alongside other creatives in our industry, other podcasters, writers, speakers. And, um, you know, when something is happening for them, that's not happening for us. It's very easy to get caught in that trap. And something I have had to tell myself over and over, and this is what I would say, you know, to anybody listening who's struggling, if someone you're following or you're, you're comparing yourself to has a win, a perceived win in your eyes, a win for the kingdom of God is a win for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I have to start seeing it that way, right? Like my friend who signed a book deal before I, you know, got my, my own contract, like that's a win for the kingdom of God and a win for the kingdom of God is a win for the kingdom of God. It's not a loss for me. Yeah. And I can celebrate her and what God is doing in and through her. Um, while also recognizing that's a perceived, you know, longing in my own life, but that doesn't mean that I can't celebrate her mm-hmm. in the midst of what God is doing through her. And that's, that's really what it's about anyway, right? Like being faithful and sharing the gospel where God has us planted and being faithful in that. And so when I see the result of that and I perceive it as different than, than my own and I struggle with that comparison, that's the statement I say over and over again to myself is a win for the kingdom of God is a win for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so hopefully that's helpful. No, it's so helpful. It's so helpful. And I think that is a, the one of the reels that you did on Instagram that like got me yeah. real, like, why don't we stop treating our side hobbies like cute little side hobbies or something. It was, you did the little, like you threw it in or whatever. <laughs> And I saw that and I was like, man, it's so, it's such a thing. And men don't do that. No, I've never. And and maybe, and I don't mean for this to be like, a, I don't know, like a no, I know sexist that that, conversation or anything like that. I just see it in women. I do. Yes, it's such a thing. You do not see a man. First of all, <laughs> I think that there are things that men do care about what other people think. Like I, yeah. I definitely think that. Absolutely. But I observe my husband a lot. And yeah. I mean, when I say he doesn't care what somebody thinks about him, he don't care. 
Yeah, mine doesn't and either. I mean, I got to endorse Sean Dietrich's book, You Are My Sunshine. Oh, stop. Okay, yeah. we can't even begin. That's yeah. a rabbit trail. I adore Sean, me and my I husband. I love him. Just, I, he's the best. This summer, I was kind of in this place of knowing in my spirit that I needed to quit. Mm. But I didn't know how, and it, yeah. and I just kept going because I was like, I don't know how to do that, and I, I can't quit. But I just knew, like, the Holy Spirit was just like in my face on it, and I was just in the thick of it, and I was it developed so much stress that I got shingles. I mean, just like hardcore, uh. like just really struggling. And I opened up my email, and Jamie Dietrich sent me an email and was like, "We need someone to." another person to endorse Sean's book. And he was on your podcast in 2020. Like, would you be willing to do this? And I was like, if this is not a sign from the Lord that like mm-hmm. what he is asking me to do, it was just like one thing after the other. Um, but I endorsed this book and we, Cody and I go on this trip and he's like, everyone we talked to, he was like, Laura endorsed this book. And it's just so <laughs> awesome. She's such a great writer and she's such a great speaker and she's such a great storyteller. And like, Every when I started my podcast, like we would meet people. What are you doing? Like, oh, we've got real estate and we do this. And he's like, and she has a podcast. Her podcast is incredible, you know. And it was like, I felt so afraid. I think that like the depth of it was like, I was so scared to tell people that I was a podcaster because I was afraid that they would listen to it and think I was a fraud. Like, think that I wasn't really cut out to do it. Yeah. to do. And I wanted that approval. So I was scared that if someone knew it's what I did, they wouldn't approve of it. And this summer and like on into this fall has really been kind of an undoing of that. And Mm, that's so good. Women really do that. They really do. Men have (laughs) a hard time with that. Um, You need a stay at home mom. Well, I'm just a mom. Are you Mm. joking? Is that a joke? You run a household. You run a household. That you is a care job. for a small image bearer of God. Yes. You are nurturing a child that will spend eternity somewhere. Yes. That is your job. It is such there a There is job. no more significant job yes. ever. And I'll say too, Laura, in another way to relate to that, and there might be some listeners who can identify with this too. I'm not a mom yet. And when I moved to South Mississippi, and I talk about this also in the book, I was a pastor's wife, which automatically puts you in a position where it's it's challenging to make friends in a small town where to everyone, you're also their pastor's wife, right? Yeah. That's just a dynamic that you don't know unless you're a pastor's wife. Yeah. <laughs> and also all of the women primarily that I knew, minus a, a couple, were either nurses school teachers, or they were a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, Three of like the highest and holiest callings for a woman, truly. Mm. Yeah. But I was none of those things. Mm. And it was in that season that I started the podcast and started writing more and pursued the book and all of that. And so I think another dimension of my struggle was I didn't feel like I related to any woman that I interacted with on a day-to-day basis. And so not only was I seeing it like a cute little side hobby, I struggled to find community in my actual work in that season. And I actually had to go outside of my bubble in order to do that 
praise God for the technology that we have now that allows you and I to have this conversation, you know, states away. And there's things like Voxer and Marco Polo. And and because of those things, I survived those three and a half years and, and made friends that I could really connect with and, you know, know what a literary agent does and, and know, yeah. you know, just the ins and outs of the work that we do. And I think you need both. I think you need friends who are that stay-at-home mom and they can't identify at all to what you do. That keeps you humble. (laughs) And there's also the friends who do do what you do and can speak into your life in a way that somebody else can't. And so I just think that's another layer of of the comparison of the cute little side hobby conversation that we're having um, is just the community aspect of it. And it can be challenging, but praise God for the technology that we have and the year that we do live in. While I also agree with you that I would have probably been better suited for the great depression or a different, a different time of, of our, um, just our world than 2022. There are conveniences and blessings that we have that allow us to have community in a way that, uh, we've never had before, which is a gift. Yeah. Um, and what a gift that we live in homes in the South with air conditioning. Yeah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, I know that my grandparents did not get AC in their house. Um, my dad's parents didn't get AC. I think until my dad was either in high school or college. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. I mean, he went to college in the 70s. Like, it was, my mom always likes to remind people of that. She's like, they were a little behind the time. <laughs> People had that in the sixties and the seventies, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's it's um it's such a gift. And we do live in such an important time. The Lord always is going to be using every place and every season. And so I love that you spoke to that because that's an important thing. Also hearing you say that everyone you knew was either a stay-at-home mom, a teacher, or worked at the hospital. Small town. It's a small town. It's what people yeah. do. All yeah. you got is fast food and the school in the hospital. That's it. Pretty <laughs> much. Go. Yeah. So I totally understood that. Um, so a little bit into, and this will kind of be towards, you know, wrapping up our conversation a little bit, but let's go into kind of your process and like how you really mm-hmm. started to like accomplish things. I've seen, you know, you're very good at like, you talked about being a go-getter. Like everyone can like feel like they're a go-getter until they're ADHD, until like they're distracted or until they sit down to do yeah. something and they stop and scroll on their phone. Like what mm-hmm. does it look like? And what would you say um, to someone who sets out to like do the thing, but just yeah. kind of never does the thing? Um, mm-hmm. How would you encourage them a little bit? Yeah. Oh man. I, I think there's sort of a spectrum, right? That we know of like, this comes natural or this does not come natural to me. And I don't think there's a need to apologize either way. We have different gifts, right? And one area that I do think God has gifted me in is just systems and organization. It's something that I love and I thrive on. And so real practically, something that has really helped me in a tool that you could go by today if you really are sensing God is calling me to this this thing that I want to pursue. I just need a system to help me take those next steps. There is a planner that I use that has totally radically changed my life. I'm obsessed with it. Have you ever heard of the full focus planner? No. Okay. I need to be like a... I need to have, I need a code. I need a link for, for full focus. Yeah. Yeah. 
they make this incredible planner. You buy one for every quarter. So like every day of the work week, there's like a day that has your schedule and a page for like your tasks and meeting notes and things like that. The way it's laid out is just, I find it so helpful, especially as a multi-passionate person that has a lot going on. I don't feel the need to like check all the boxes and write on every line of the planner. And if I don't, I feel like I've messed up and I'm just going to buy another planner in two months. That's not how I feel with full full focus. I utilize what works for me, but there's a lot of planning features that kind of, if you're really wanting to set out, you know, there's a goal that you want to work towards. There's just the meat there that helps you work through taking those next steps. So that's a real practical thing. If you want to go grab that, a couple other things that really help me, one is blocking my time. So for instance, you know, there's, you know, you and I are having this conversation right now. What people don't know if you're not a podcaster is you record an episode, you then have to edit that episode. You have to think through the marketing pieces of that. There's multi layers that have to happen in order for this one episode to reach the the AirPods of somebody who's listening. And so you and I both know that, but walking into something new, sometimes there's the overwhelm of that in getting a process down. And I think spending some time to really map that out is helpful so that it sort of sets an expectation for yourself and then figuring out, okay, how do I integrate that into my everyday life? And so that's where time blocking comes in and kind of working through, okay, what are the chunks of time that I have available to work on this thing, whatever God's called me to? And realistically, how long does it take me to edit an episode, right? And and kind of working those pieces backwards almost into your schedule. And, um, sometimes I like to see it as, you know, if I've blocked time for something, like I wouldn't schedule a coffee date with a friend and just like not show up. Right. (laughs) I wouldn't do that, but I do that to areas of my calling at times. Right. And so seeing it as something that you take seriously enough that it's an appointment you're, you know, on your calendar and you treat it as such. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I also, I think with time blocking and, you know, just sort of chipping away at something, I think sometimes we just, we're so gung ho when we start something new or I don't know, God calls us into something new that we can easily get burnt out rather than just like chipping away a little at a time. I know like for me, when I started my podcast, I started interviewing and I batched gosh, probably like 10 to 12 episodes and just chipped away at it over several months yeah. before I even, you know, let the world know what I was doing. And so I think there's moments where, you know, don't let your excitement get so far ahead of you that you don't take the time to really invest and build infrastructure and block out your time appropriately and run at a pace that's maintainable. And yeah. I think those are some of the questions that you really have to ask yourself in order to know what pace to run at and how to block that time and and how to be faithful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that I've had to really learn. Oftentimes when I get excited about something, I'm like, let me go drown in the deep end of this. Like mm-hmm. I do all of it and it must happen in today. Two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to get it all done. And when I started my podcast, I decided Cody bought me a microphone mm-hmm. with my husband, bought me a microphone 
the day before we had our daughter. Like it came in the mail the oh, day wow. we had a kid. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, and he was like, you have like, you have a voice, like you're supposed to do this and like uh-huh. you keep putting it off because you don't know what to do and it's time to figure it out. And I was like, great. All right. I'm going to go have a kid. We'll figure that one out too. But what I did is I, during the day, like I was resting kind of with her, with my daughter. And I, when I wasn't tired enough to like sleep, I, during maternity leave, I just listened to, I bought Jenna Kutcher's little thing on, um, her little thing, her massive course course on podcasting, podcasting. Yeah. And she maps it out for you. She tells you what systems to use, what type of microphone to get, what type of X, Y, and Z to have. And I just, I mean, every like one or two days a week, I just started working on it. And then eventually my daughter went to like a mother's day out. And when she would be there, it was like three or four hours a day for like two days a week or three days a week. I would sit down and do this work. And I decided to treat it, although I was not paid to do it. I decided to treat it as work and it was such a gift to finally like stop and just chip away, like do a little slow and steady always wins. It Mm -hmm. is really so. Yeah. yeah. And it reminds me of the scripture that talks about doing all things with excellence as unto the Lord. Right. And I think that's another piece of just being faithful is, am I doing this thing? Am I taking these next steps as unto the Lord? Am I, dog is barking. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Bring on the barks. I love it. It's the FedEx man that comes every Ooh. single day. He I comes every it. day. And yet every day, this hey, is what happens. What? what a gift to have a dog that's going to bark. If somebody, I know he is very protective. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so totally I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not bothered by it at all. Hey, he's driving away. <laughs> So hopefully, I don't hear okay. it. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, okay. I'll just pause real quick and then I'll just wrap that up. So, yeah, I, th- I think we just really have to remember that that's also a scriptural principle, right? Is that we are called not only to be faithful to what, you know, the assignments God gives us, but that we do those with excellence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, it is interesting. Like scripture doesn't say do it with speed. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so everything's true. So fast, everything's so fast paced, and everybody believes it's so, so overnight. And it's yep. just, so it's just not. I love not. being able to hear how your story has just been an evolving, like mm-hmm. it's evolved over time, and you have put in the work. You've put in the work. I mean, this is not like a small feat. What you're doing, what you're sharing the work you're doing, the book you're writing, like all of that is not a small thing. Um, and I love that it has taken you time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I want to wrap up our, our conversation with just a question that I love to ask people as I wrap up the episodes. And it is, what is something that is giving you hope in this? <sighs> it does not have to be anything crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Oh man. I think, like, do I want to go with like a deep theological answer? Or do I want to go with like a really silly one? Um, I think the deep theological answer is everything about my life has been marked by change in the last few years. And so has 
like the girl that told you, you know, like step in line. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's lives have been marked by change. But the thing that has gotten me about the Lord and that gives me hope is this idea that he is this the big word is he's immutable. He doesn't change right in the midst of our lives that do. And that gives me so much hope because in that, I'd, if he could change, there's so many other aspects and characteristics about God that that could also change too, if he could change. Mm-hmm. And so it just gives me so much reassurance and hope that um, in the midst of a life that feels upside down, if that's you today, he does not change. And his, you know, our, our circumstances don't hinge on his character. Um his character doesn't change in the midst of our circumstances that do. And so that just gives me so much hope. Also, we just moved back to Tennessee, which after hearing some of our story, that's sort of the end of the story. Now God moved us back a couple of months ago. And so it it is giving me a lot of life and a lot of hope to um, just be near family again and be in the Smoky mountains and the beauty of Tennessee in the middle of the fall. It's just, um, the most beautiful time of year here. And so I don't know that that's necessarily giving, it's giving me a lot of joy probably more than it is hope, but um, it has been just such a gift. So joy and laughter for the days to come. I love yes. that. I love it. Well, Rebecca, I am so grateful for our time together and our conversation. I feel like mm-hmm. this is just so life-giving and so good for so many people and so many people that are going to be listening. So thank you for your time today. Oh, absolutely, Laura. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It is my honor to have you here in this space, listening and being encouraged right alongside me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and share it with a friend. Each little ounce of encouragement and sharing does more than you know. If you want to follow along on social media, you can find me on Instagram at at Laura underscore Jean underscore Bell. You can join my Facebook community group, Laura Bell Writes. That is W-R-I-T-E-S, Laura Bell Writes. Or you can hop over to my website, laurabell.co. This year is the year I am writing and finishing my first ever published book, You Can Always Come Home. I hope you will join me on social media to be a part of that journey as well. Thank you for being here, friends. Let's keep laughing at the days to come.